Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Okay, everybody, welcome to the program tonight. Tonight is going to be our 32nd share here, and uh, we're rocking and rolling. Really appreciate it. Again, I always like to start off telling everybody thank you for, for helping us and letting everybody know about it, putting on your statusing, statuses, letting and telling your friends about it. It's really growing the program. We're getting we're growing and growing. A lot of people are reaching out to me, reaching out to Menachem, and uh, there's a lot of new ideas coming out. I, I said this last week, before Hanukkah, we have a pending list of a tremendous amount of speakers, and... Uh, we might have to do this every night, Menachem. There's such a, such a demand. I hope you're available. And um, this week we have a very special show. We'll get into it so- shortly. Um, again, Matos was one of our actually uh, founding uh, founding presenters on the show who uh, we had to beg him to come on. And Baruch Hashem, now he's more than happy to come back and we're happy he's back. And we'll, we'll get into it. Tonight's going to be a very interesting show, not, not typical. And I think we're going to have a good time. It's very helpful. There's a tremendous demand for it. Uh, I, I wrote this, but I'm just going to say it. I, I, today I got at least probably seven to 10 calls uh, from parents that have very, these, these issues with, you know, uncontrollable children or, you know, emotionally sensitive children. And uh, I didn't think it was such a hot topic, but uh, it is a very hot topic. And hopefully a lot of people come and are Nena from Matis and can help, if you can help one person tonight, the whole thing was worth it. Hopefully we help a lot more people. Uh, for all, this, all those people that are watching this on the replay later on, um, please click on subscribe to Coach Menachem's channel so you can get all the new videos that go on every week. And also please like the video so it gets more, uh, more vision out there. Um, again, Mata is one of Lakewood's top therapists. We're honored to bring him back for the second time. Uh, not a lot of people come back the second time. We try not to do doubles, but if you're so good, you got to come back. So uh, I'm happy you came back. The reason why the show happened um, is Matis actually reached out to me a little bit over a month ago, maybe about a month and a half ago. He told me that he was publishing a book, a book in April. Um, we discussed it, and um, we both felt it would be a tremendous help uh, for everybody who comes to the Shear to to listen to some of the you know many years of Matis's experience of dealing with children and adults, and um, and I think the book again we're going to talk about the book and get into it, but some of the techniques in the book are very helpful not only for the emotional sense of the child and not only for the you know the, the child that's so uncontrollable, but I think it's really 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 applicable for all children, and we obviously take what we need from it. And there's going to be a whole follow-up afterwards, which Matis will explain more in detail how we could uh, continue and follow along with him. And again, last week we had a break. It was Hanukkah vacation. So I thought it was very apropos to start with this. As everybody took their children to the Hanukkah parties and all the Hanukkah trips and all the kids were melting down, I was thinking, wow, next week is going to be perfect to talk about this with Matis. So that's great. And uh, I want to thank again all our sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop, for everybody pushing us here in Lakewood. And during the Lakewood crowd, I want to thank Rabbi Yanif Hazak for always promoting us on their platform. Hazak offers programming for all. Special thank you to Chayla Kaufman and Shmuel Summer from JCN, the Jewish Content Network, for always promoting us digitally across all platforms. As you can see, we always have a tremendous amount of people here. We really appreciate that's for them. Next Sunday, we are going to have an amazing share. I cannot announce it yet because not all the details have been confirmed. So I, I have to re- hold myself back, but I think it's going to be an amazing program. Again, anybody who's here, please trust me. Come back next week. It's going to be something amazing. Let's start up with the opening statement from our host, Coach Menachem. Take it away. Asher, you did it again. Wow. We're not even open for four minutes and what you packed in the past four minutes, <laughs> there is so much going on. So thank you for that. So welcome everyone, welcome back. I hope you all had a nice uh, Hanukkah vacation and enjoyed every moment of it. Many, like like Asher mentioned, um, he got a lot of calls 
And I think Bechlal, tonight's topic will be very, uh, very uh, applicable um, because of the past year of Corona. There's a lot of changes with the kids at home or uh, the structure is not the same. And like you said, Hanukkah, you're talking about parties, presents, going into the car, the whole family. And if anybody is sensitive, it automatically changes dynamics, things um, happen. So tonight's topic, parenting the emotional sensitive, emotionally sensitive impulsive child. Many times when people seek help, they hear different opinions. They go to one place and people tell them, you have to be firm. You have to know what you want. The kid should know that you're not gonna let go. Others tell you, you have to understand the child. You have to listen to the child and you go back and forth. You're not sure what to do. And no kid is the same and no parent is the same. Everybody is different and the dynamics between the, the parent and the child, obviously, you see different results. So even if you're Matzliach and you had Hatzlacha um, by one and then with the other one, you're trying to do the same thing and it's not working. And when a kid is really sensitive with whatever is going on, it could be really, really, really confusing. So Baruch Hashem, I am excited tonight that we have with us someone, uh, Reb Matis Miller, who deals with this, and he's been dealing with this uh, for a while. And uh, finally, Baruch Hashem, he is coming out with the manual that everybody is looking for. And um, I'll tell you the truth, I skimmed through the book, and like Asher mentioned before, the concepts in the book are basically really for every kind of relationship. If you have to deal with anybody, it could be at work, be a spouse, it can be in shul. If you have to deal with them, obviously sometimes you can walk away. If it's not working out, you just walk away. But sometimes you just have to deal with these people and to learn how to, and to understand the other side, to get along, to work things out. It's really, uh, it applies to any, any relationship that you really need to have, that you can't just walk away. So, and, and the concepts over there is very interesting. Like we'll hear the dialectic, Matthias, um, uh, he'll give the, the audience to understand more what it is. But one example that he says in the book is, you're all doing the best you can and you can do better. It's like, we're not used to hearing that in the same sentence, you're telling me I did, you know, you're trying to make me feel good. So you're telling me I'm doing the best I can, but I can do better. But I guess we'll hear much more tonight about dialectics and to understand, hopefully we'll be able to get some concepts, um, techniques. And uh, I'll tell you the truth, sometimes when you hear Mata speak, it could sound a little bit like, okay. But the truth is these things, you do have to back up and hear these concepts to be able to change, to be able to implement, to understand and those who are running and don't have time, I, I feel bad. I'm happy that you're here with us tonight, but these things really, there are things that we have to change. Obviously there are things that you don't like the way it is. And hopefully we'll be able to take out with Yata Dishmaya, take out some concepts and things should get a little bit easier. And then with the book, we'll be able to learn much more. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. One second. Thank you, Coach Menachem. Appreciate that. Again, tonight's cheer was sponsored by one of our weekly members um, who actually reached out to me. 
We wanted to be part of it and help out. This is really learning tonight. This chos refu shalema, the voer bas miriam, and it's chos that should have a big, complete refu shalema from all. Mat is almost 350 people here. I'm at Shem, a lot more coming, and Mat Shem Taz will watch it. Everybody together, amen. Refu shalema. Tonight's also learning lezech uh, nishmas, our founding, one of our founding members, Arna Yechfrit. His father's yard site this week. His father's name was Reb Zev Shloima. Reb Yosef and Shemesh have a great idea from being Nazaka the Olam. Reb Arnayach is really uh, one of our uh, founding guys helping us every week get some big names. And uh, he's part of the next week's surprise. So I'm waiting for you to confirm already. Come on, let's go. Stop schluffing. All right, I'm going to read a little bio for, uh, for Reb Matis. If anybody doesn't know who he is, um, Matis Miller. He has a lot of titles over here. You can look them up. LCSW, ACT, DBT, LBCT, and probably a lot more. He's the founding director of the Certified Cognitive Behavioral Therapist. As a founder, director, and supervisor of the Center for the Cognitive and Behavioral Therapy of New Jersey, Matis Miller is a licensed clinical social worker and certified cognitive behavioral therapist with over 15 years of experience. His impressive educational and training background includes certifications in CBT for the Academy of Cognitive Therapy with the Beck Institute for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Matis has also been awarded the newly developed certification for the DBT Linham Board of Certification in Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, which is probably somewhat in the book, I'm going to assume. His expertise in CBT and intensive training in DBT and the Shema therapy compelled him to found the center and to select the finest therapist to com complete his team. Mata specializes in severe emotional and personality disorders, insomnia, and anxiety in teens and adults. He is a seasoned lecturer on CBT and DBT related topics, addressing parents, clients, and professionals and is presently, presently focused primarily on supervision, education, and consultation, and now became a publisher. So, Matis, the floor is yours. And uh, I can ask you one question. I, before we did this, I, I know you wrote a book. So could you tell us the reason why you wrote the book besides to make the millions of dollars? The floor is yours. Well, let me start by Asher Amenachem. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to come here again. As you said, I was one of the founding speakers. It's incredible what you guys accomplished. I mean, from you know one week to the next, you know, bringing on. I'm not talking about myself, but you know, really world-renowned speakers, uh, topics that are stimulating and engaging. Um, and I, I've heard feedback from many people about what you've accomplished. And I have to say, in the onset, I was like, you know, what is this? Where is it going? Um, but really, taking what's going on now and COVID and giving people an opportunity to learn and give, educate them and help them and uh, you should just have continued on Sacha on this incredible uh, endeavor that you two done together. So um, why did I write the book? <laughs> um, besides the million dollars. No, that's not really why I wrote the book, but of course, you know, if it's successful, that, that will be nice. I wrote the book because um, I, I, I do lots of consultations. I meet with parents, I meet with children. Uh, I often get requests for, um, books, book recommendations, or if I can't be effective or I can't help them at, the, at that time. Um, and I felt there was a lacking. I felt that a lot of, as uh, Menachem mentioned earlier, there's a lot of material out there that talks about discipline and shaping behavior, uh, using consequences, punishment, being consistent, um, which is certainly important. And a lot of those techniques are, are needed. And uh, then there are other books that are focused on emotions and validation and you know, encouraging relationship and attachment and security and connection and trust in parenting, also essential. Um, but what was I felt was missing was the synthesis of the two. Um, and dialectical be behavioral therapy and dialectics really uh, highlights that idea that we can have two ideas and we can incorporate both those ideas together. 
I also felt that a lot of even the books that there were, they were limited in their skills, one or two topics, um, and limited in their examples. So I felt it would be very helpful to give parents a very, very step-by-step -step, uh, instructions um, with very, very clear directions on specific concrete skills and how they can implement them and give them loads of examples that are very practical and case examples so they can relate to it and then try it. Um, but I think, you know, as, as Usher mentioned and, and, and Menachem mentioned, um, you know, the, the dialectical concept. But let me, let me just, the brief introduction before we jump in, I'm looking forward to taking lots of questions. Parenting is hard. It's really hard. And, and it's something that, you know, it's a gift. And, and we appreciate the idea that we, those of us that have children and we're blessed with children, but it's, it's a struggle. Um, and none of us, I mean, I could speak for myself, are perfect at it. If my children are here watching, they can attest to that. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, we, we all work on, on growing and, and, and that journey and becoming better and better at what we do. Um, and therefore, I, I think that because of that struggle, very often we are looking for resources, we're looking for help. Uh, unfortunately, we sometimes end up judging ourselves that we're terrible, we're a terrible parent, we're a terrible dad, we're a terrible mom. Um, we, we're judgmental of our children, we get hopeless. Um, and I, I think it's really important before we even have this discussion tonight and discuss the book is, you know, I wrote the manual and I didn't write the manual because there is no manual. Um, and I, I think if anyone's going to tell you, we wouldn't have this discussion as I was saying to Asha before, we wouldn't have discussion if there was a manual. We wouldn't even be talking about this topic. It wouldn't be such a hot topic because everyone would just open up the manual and, you know, get the directions for each of the different children. But children are compl complex. We're, as humans, we're complex. Hashem created us in ways with many different parts and personalities and character. So there is no manual. At the same time, there is a manual. What I mean is, and there's our dialectic, which I'll des describe soon, is that there are evidence-based, research-based techniques and skills that we have learned over years. Um, many of them actually are ideas that are, you know, firmly based in Torah and Torah Ashkafa, but there are many, many uh, techniques that we know that can improve our interactions with children and help them. Um, but they're not all foolproof, they're not all effective. Um, and that's really what the book focuses on a lot is the idea of balance. Um, and that it's finding the balance and it's finding what works for each child and being effective. So what is this dialectics? It's a big word, that's for sure. Um, and the truth is I never heard of it until I learned dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, Dialectics, the root of the word is dialogue. Um, and the idea of dialects, dialectics are there can be two ideas, concepts um, that can be completely opposite or appear opposite and both be true at the same time. And through the, the strategies of being dialectical and having dialogue with the two opposites, the tension of the two actually over time leads to understanding, leads to truth, leads to clarity. So if I take my two, two fingers to pick something up, the tension of the two is gonna be more effective than trying to lift up something with one finger, is that we wanna use the opposites. And I think in parenting is full of dialectics. I mean, the world is built on opposites, but let's talk about parenting. The key is acceptance and change, right? Because we want to accept our child who they are, as they are. We wanna appreciate them love them. At the same time, we also want to change them often. We want to help them develop to be healthy individuals and to interact with the world 
in, in an effective and helpful, uh, helpful way. So we want to balance that constantly accepting them. As is what Menachem said, you're doing the best you can. And you also need to figure out how to be a better parent. But if I, I don't get it, if I'm doing the best that I can, how do, why do I have to be a better parent? Or if I'm the best parent, then why do I have the best I can? And the idea is you can't, we don't always have exact clarity of that, but we're opening our minds to get unstuck to the idea that in this moment, we're doing the best we can. And we have to accept ourselves and our children while at the same time trying to move towards change. And dialectics is really about moving away from extremes, opening our minds, seeing ourselves and our children in a whole different light, letting go of judgment, embrace, embracing change as a constant. And, and I know I'm throwing out a lot of verbiage and ideas and it's okay, we're not gonna get into it. I think once we get into the questions, sort of bring out how we can, strategies that can help us be more dialectical. So really a lot of parenting a child who's emotionally sensitive or impulsive or really any uncontrollable child, because I think all our children and adults have some uncontrollability, um, is, is about uh, finding, you know, finding that balance. And sometimes it's more on the acceptance, sometimes it's more on the change. So I see a lot of you are you know, throwing some questions out there, which I, I look forward to getting. So in, in, in the book, that's really uh, what I focused on is that no matter what techniques you come along with um, or you've learned, maybe you're not using them in the right way, maybe you're moving on more on one extreme than another extreme. Um, and in, in, in the book, we just move from this idea of acceptance, mindfulness, validation to more change strategies and finding the balance with limits, with consistency, with family, and so on and so forth. Um, so with that, uh, that's a little bit about what I, why I wrote the book and a little bit about the concept of dialectics. Uh, I'm gonna throw it back to you, Asher, and let's jump in, or Menachem. Okay, so tonight we're gonna do a few interesting things. We're gonna start first start off with the poll as usual, just to get people active. We have a few examples we're gonna role play. I think it's, you know, we took some basic examples that are probably, you know, relevant to most people here. So um, let's start first with the poll. Just get people into it. Okay, here we go. Matis, you could also answer. How often does your child have outburst? Two enough? <laughs> I think the first answer means a lot. The second answer is once a day. The third answer is once a week. And the fourth answer is randomly. Once in two months, whatever it is. I think the first one means just too much. That's the right answer, not too enough. Okay, the second question, what do you feel about this? What do you feel about the situation? You A, gave up, B, struggling to find some solutions, C, I'm exhausted and frustrated, D, guilty. What did I do wrong to have such a child? So again, the two questions, how often do you, does your child have outbursts? And what do you feel about the situation? I'll give you five seconds to answer. Matis, you could see the answers coming and nobody else could see it. Then we'll share it with everybody. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Matis, 450 people here for you tonight. And you, Could have my together. Okay, five, four, three, two, one. Okay, let's share the results. So 39% of people feel the children are having too much outbursts. So obviously there are people that are coming here that are very negated tonight, which we're happy. 27% uh, people say once a day, 11% say once a week, and 24% say randomly. What do you feel about the situation? 4% gave up. 56% the winner struggling to find some solutions. We're happy that you came here tonight. At least maybe Matas could uh, start gearing you in the right direction. 31% are exhausted and frustrated and 10% guilty. What did I do wrong? I, I just want to add, it, it yep. could be you have all those things at the same time. Uh, so uh, 
it does it could be different parts at different times okay so let's start off with 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 a few emails that we got i think that some of them are very relevant um i would like people to ask live questions over here this mathis wants it to be live we we, we try to make it the most interactive as possible. I try to cut down everybody's opening. We're not looking for the speeches. We're looking to get the help and understand it. Um, I'm going to take some examples over here that got emailed to us. And we'll start with that. Okay. The first question that got emailed to us, I'm looking forward to listening in tonight. My question is, it is relevant to the 17-year-old or is there something you would recommend I do? I'm saying I, because the child is not interested in going for help, but claims that if the situation would be different, the overreaction wouldn't have happened. I explained to the child that whatever the other person has done may be wrong, but the child needs to be able to control oneself even if other people do things wrong to them. That triggers my, the child to say, I am not talking about this again because this discussion is getting me angry. I would greatly appreciate if you could address the question so I may help my child overcome anger, whatever the cause. Okay, so there's a lot here. Um, I think the first thing we have to think about is and this is a really important idea or concept that might throw you off is that she should be walking away. She should absolutely be walking away. And you might think like, what do you mean she should be walking away? What I mean by should doesn't mean that you want it that way or you approve, but there is a cause and a reason why she's walking away. So in other words, if she's in that situation and you're bringing up something that's uncomfortable or she doesn't want to talk about. And the reason why I say that is because when we have these ideas and shoulds, um, when we look at our children, that leads to lack of acceptance. It's where we're putting our own interpretation or expectation on how our child should react. So if you think about it, it probably makes sense. Every time you have this conversation about her behavior, she's walking away, she's uncomfortable, and, and she should continue to do that exactly as she is until there is change. And this is a very important concept. I mean, when we talk about dialectics and acceptance is everything is as it should be. What, what's the purpose? What's the function of us thinking like that? Because if you look at it that way, that takes away some of the frustration or what's wrong with her? I mean, come on, she should be having this conversation with me. Of course, she's, so the answer is no, she shouldn't because whatever reasons. The other thing is in the question, I explained to the child that whatever the other person has done may be wrong, but the child needs to be able to control oneself even if other people do things that are wrong. Keyword, but. But is an anti-dialectical word. And the way we think about it is, so in other words, let's say we took the word but and we put the word and. I explained to my child that whatever the other person has done may be wrong. And at the same time, you need to figure out how to control yourself in that situation. And that's really important because I am noticing this question, the reason why I brought up the shoulds and the but, is that perhaps, and I don't know the individual, and it's very, very hard, and if you're here, you can speak out, is that there is a feeling of judgment and invalidation in that interaction. Not acknowledging, again, that the child, uh, you know, someone did, that they feel validated that they did something wrong. As soon as you say, but, it, not that, that the other person did something wrong. As soon as you say, but, you invalidate their first statement. Um, and that can really, really affect the uh, interaction and perhaps come over, the, the child, the 17 year old can feel the judgment. They could feel like you're not understanding. They could feel like you're pushing them away. You just want to lecture me. Um, so that, that's a, a point that I think is really important. And I'd love other people to come in at some point and ask about that. Um, we can't change other people, right? And you can't change your teenager. You could possibly influence them, as you said. You know, we say I is maybe what I can do. Um, so firstly is you always have the option 
there are really four options, really in almost every situation that we have, okay? Option one is if you could change the situation, fix it. If you could have a discussion with her and just say, oh, mommy, oh, okay, I'm gonna really work on this, great. But obviously that's not happening. Two is you could change how you feel about it and maybe think about the child in a different way, understand where they're coming from. Three is to accept them, to be able to accept where they are in the situation, even though it's painful. And four is to stay miserable and to just be unhappy and be willful and be angry, which is obviously not gonna help the relationship. So, um, that, you know, that's, that's just really important to understand as far as your interactions uh, with your child. So what could you say to her? Well, I would tell you if you would start with some, I'm wondering, some real validation where you can be, and there's different strategies and skills to really get to a point where your 17-year-old really, really feels like you truly understand her perspective. You understand the kernel of truth. You understand her val valid reality. You help her understand that, you know, this is, I get it. People are doing things and they are, you know, you, it's understandable that you're reacting in the way you're reacting and it's not nice what they're doing. And then once you validation actually helps regulate emotion, it helps feel, them feel understood and connected, which may move them more to be open to the ideas of change. That's one thing. The other thing is, if it's a really out of control behavior, I'm not sure exactly what's going on here. Um, I'm just curious, are there consequences um, for that behavior? Uh, is, the, is, is the seventh year old just able to do what they do um, and you know, get upset at the person and you know, scream and yell or be physical and they're just able to get away with it, then they should again continue. They should continue that same behavior. Any, any, I would love some back and forth on this. Uh, anyone have any thoughts or questions? Regarding let, me, let, me, let me just uh, jump in. When do the parents do this with the child? Usually it's the, the tension is not gonna let this happen. You know, and logically it sounds very good. You have the steps and we're gonna learn a lot tonight, but when exactly should they sit down and talk about it? Well, you know, it all depends on the level of the intensity of emotion. Obviously, you're right. If they're in the middle of the high emotion and it's the key word here is throughout is effective. Does it work? It's not about wrong or right or using this technique or not. But if it's not working, of course, don't continue doing it. But if the emotion, let's say there's a zero to hundred, and let's say your daughter's emotion is at 20, 30, perhaps you could have that interaction with her, you know, and you sit down with her. Um, but perhaps your emotion is too high and the parents need to be mindful and aware of their own emotions because one of the functions of emotions is to communicate to, to the other person. And if the child senses that you're disappointed or frustrated, they will shut down. So the, you're right, having a conversation is about the right time. You know, you're not gonna have it in the middle of the kitchen where all the other kids are around and start having a conversation because that's gonna lead to shame uh, or, you know, or other emotions. So it's about knowing your emotional place, knowing where the child is and trying to have that conversation, trying to help them that you validate and understand their perspective. Now they might walk away and say, I don't care. Tell them to change. And that's okay too. You know, um, now again, can you try other techniques to change perhaps, or perhaps at 17 years old, you, meet, you might need to stop fighting that reality, except this is where she's at right now. That doesn't mean you can't change eventually, but is it helpful to keep pushing at her? Well, I, it's not the other people, even if they're overreacting, you know, like people overreact, you can't just act this way. That conversation is just gonna lead to more attention 
and more difficulties than parent-child relationships. And we need to accept the realities of where our children are and every, at every time. Let me ask you, if the parents, every time they sit down after one, after a minute, they get emotionally dysregulated, which book should they read? Uh, um, you know, again, I, I would think that there, there are helpful books on regulating your own emotions. I do talk about it somewhat in this book, um, but I think it's really important that they be very in touch and aware of their own emotions and use techniques and skills to soothe themselves prior to having an interaction. Into, we know from research, interpersonal interactions do, are not effective and don't work when emotion is high. I mean, we know this. We know this in our marriage. We know this in anything. If, you, if your emotions are too high, you're, you're, you're going to act in an emotional mind. You're going to act on an emotional urge. Um, and that's going to come across. Okay. At the same time, it's okay to have some emotions. Emotions are there for a function. It's okay that your child sees some frustration or some hurt, or that the child is feeling emotions. And make space for that too. Hey, Mathis, I want to jump in here because we have a lot of pending live questions. So let's try to really get a move on it. Um, let's start with one role play. I think it'll be fun for everybody and to get a concept. And then we'll jump to some live questions, okay? A lot of people are texting. I want to know the name of the book and the website. Can you just clarify? Because I, I wasn't so clear about it. Sure. Um, it's theuncontrollablechild.com. The name of the book is The Uncontrollable Child. Um, you can go onto the website. There are links there uh, to many different sites where you could pre-order the book. And then if you put your invoice receipt number into the website, um, there will be Zoom meetings, book tours, bonuses, and so on and so forth. Uh, let's, get, let's get real with Mathis Miller, right? Oh, we're not going to take away. Okay, let's do, the first, let's do the first role play. Okay. Um, Menachem, I'm going to anoint you to be the, the cranky, terrible. Thank you. Be a, be a stable, healthy parent. Show us what it's all about. We're going to do it. And I want everybody to guess if this is the right method or the wrong method. Already? This is the scenario. Child, come, child comes home from school. Usher, I'm the parent. I'm just right, correct? He's the child. You're the parent. And he's the, and he's the, the unbound. have to figure child. it out. And we're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to play it out how, it should be, and we're going to guess if that's the right method or the wrong method. So you could do either right or wrong, so we could relate to us. The child comes home from school and runs into the kitchen, opens the pots, and doesn't like the supper. Throws a huge tantrum, screaming at the mother, throwing objects, acting completely crazy. Baby Menachem, go. What's for supper? What's for supper? What's for supper? You made chicken again, chicken again for supper. I told you to not to make chicken. I, every time I tell you not to make chicken, he made chicken again. This is dysfunctional. This is crazy. Mark, you made chicken again. I, I didn't eat supper. I didn't eat lunch. I didn't eat breakfast. I need to eat. Hold on a second. Why okay. did you make chicken? Mike, didn't you tell the, tell me the last three nights what you wanted what? for supper? And I made. I, you did exactly, it. You made exactly what you I wanted. tell every time. I tell you not to make chicken, and I, I can't take you it have, anymore. You have, I, I yet you, you, you tell me the same people, thing every time. You can't. Every time you tell me, I got In life, not everyone is going to give you. On I don't want exactly to hear. You're not going to get everything exactly one night. We made something. Now there are other people like other I, people. I'm not. I'm, Don't I'm you care my, about other people? I'm not stuff? around anymore. About, I'm in my room. My, I'm in my room. I'm not around anymore. Nachum, Nachum, you forgot this. <laughs> okay. Was that the right method or was that the wrong method? Nachum, was that the right method? How we dealt with it? Are you asking me? I didn't like it. Matis, is that the correct method? The way we're supposed to do it? I, I wouldn't suggest that. 
Okay, let's try it. Let's see the right method. Do it again, Menachem. Did you recorded it? Replay. This time she made broccoli. <laughs> What's for supper? What, mommy? What do you What do you make for supper? Chicken again? Chicken? Why did you make chicken? I told you not to make chicken. You told me you're not gonna make chicken yesterday. Every time you make the same supper, I can't take it anymore. I didn't need lunch. I didn't need breakfast. And this is crazy. This is functional. I can't have this. Reishi, I, I, you are really. I don't now. want I to know. have chicken. Chicken. I told you many times. I can't talk to you about this. I do not want chicken. I see. You. And this is crazy. I don't know what I'm gonna do. Could you make something else tonight? Could you make it now? Reishi, I see you're pretty mad. Could you please, please make something else now? Because I know, and tell me if I'm right, you really, I, uh, you really, I don't, I, 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 every time, and you must, every and you can, time you say the same thing, today? That was every time you, you say the same thing, lunch? I can't, I, I'm you so must, hungry, what should I eat? You must be starving, you must be starving, and what happened by lunch, what did they have today? Chicken, mommy, you do this every time, you want to talk about lunch, I need supper. I, listen, I hear you, and it's really upset, especially if you didn't have lunch, you're starting yeah, coming you hear in, me, you want, yeah. and you want chicken. I get it. At the same time, this is what we're having. You don't want chicken, but we're having chicken tonight. And it's just, it is what it is. You, never, you don't think about me. You know I don't like chicken. You don't like me. That's, this is what I you're doing. You, but tonight, we're going to have chicken. Yeah, you're doing it for Yankee and for Moishi and for me, nothing. Tonight, tonight we're going to have chicken. That's what we're having tonight. And I know that's hard for you, but that's what we're going to be having. What are you going to make for me tonight? Now. You know you know the rule is you can either have chicken or you can go ahead. There's some bread in the freezer. You want to make yourself some toast. You want some cheese. That's that's an option. Uh, uh, you can do that on your own. Cheese. I know you're upset, but that's the options. There's that or there's that. That's what we're having tonight. I know this is really upsetting for you. Can you explain what you did now? Except an second yeah, example. Yeah. So you know, he, he was talking a lot. He was talking a lot. Maybe more than I couldn't get an edge in that. But obviously, I'm keeping myself regulated. Okay. Um, which is very, very important as I talked about, which is hard. You know, here you got the, this one's crying, this one's screaming. That you know, you have to be aware of your own emotional experiences. Number two is I validated. You know, I, I for a moment I took a step back before I started back and got into this power struggle that I get it. You don't like this. You don't want this. You had a hard day, you know? And again, you saw perhaps his screaming intensity. Now he was still going off. Oh, I don't want this validate. I don't want you here. You know, he might've did some of that, but you saw a decrease in that. The next thing was, is where I started to completely ignore the inappropriate behaviors. I could easily got caught up in that. Oh, Yankee. I said, Yankee, you know how many times I make things for you? Why are you bringing up Yankee? Right? I could have easily gotten back in that power struggle, but I stayed mindful and I focused. Um, the other thing is I, I used the broken record. I just said, this is what it is, you know? And that helps you keep regula regulated is where you say the same thing again and again and again without getting caught up in that whole interaction. So there are a lot of different skills there, you know? And then if he screamed and he went and he left on, then I would, and would scream and yell and stamp up to his room and I hate this house and I hate you and I wish you would die. At that point, I would just ignore the behavior. I would say, you young man, you come back right here. You don't talk to me like that, right? Because that's good. He, he, he didn't get what he need, wanted. I put in that, you know, I was just clear. I was assertive. I maintained the limit. 
I told him what options he has. Maybe I would have do some problem solving with him, but it sounded like it wasn't, he didn't want problem solving. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. So at that point, he'll go up to his room and he'll calm down. And he will, he will have the natural consequence if he doesn't eat. You know, maybe when he calms down, I'll check in him again and say, you know, do you want to come down now? Um, but yeah, there was, those were some skills that I threw in there. We got the first concept. We have more live role play, so we're gonna get to that soon. We have a bunch of questions. Uh, let's take some live ones now. Um, you're on, Malki. Hi. Hi. Okay, so I'm a single mom. I have a 12 and a half, and a half year old ADHD son. Um, he gets out of control a lot, more than Menachem did now. He would actually throw stuff, not be so calm. Now, I'm trying to be positive, to look away a lot, not to realize everything that he's doing, but sometimes I just can't handle it. And most of the time, it's when it bothers me is when he hits the other kids or he breaks the house. That's when I like, I, I'm trying to find a way, like, how could I stop it? No, it's an excellent question. I think a lot of people struggle with exactly that. And it, it, it sounds like on the, on the one end, you're trying really hard to ignore the behaviors you can ignore. But when he's harming someone else or damaging property, it, it's very, very difficult to ignore that. So my first question to you is, Malki, what happens when he breaks something in the house? Um, lately, I just, usually I ignore it because he's so mad at this point that I just try to go in a room or go somewhere else not to be around him. Okay. And then later I try to go to him and ask him like, why he did that and what he like what he gained from doing that like did you get your good supper now that the cabinet is broken or right, right. so like he, <laughs> yeah so two things so when you have this conversation with him later he probably says oh my you're right now i get it i probably shouldn't get so angry because i break the cabinets right is that right what he, right I, and I, then he's going to try to fix it the next day yeah, hold on a second but... my, my point is i'm being sarcastic like <laughs> we have these conversations with our children right He's having these strong urges. He's not saying, oh, oh, thanks, mom. I don't realize that. Next time I'll be better, right? Usually that's not but the case. Sometimes right? he is like this. He actually regrets it later. Okay, so we'll address that <laughs> in a second. So we'll get to that. Well, that's really important because you see that sometimes the urge is so powerful in the moment, the anger is so intense that he actually should be doing what he's doing, as I said to you before, because that <laughs> urge is so intense and he can't change. However, you have a problem, okay? Now, usually having conversations with him is not necessarily going to address the issue. So if the anger and the urge is so intense, if he's obviously open to learning skills to address his whole, you know, to calm himself down, um, obviously, you know, that would be most effective, whether he goes to therapy or learns different techniques to deal with his, you know, medication is not being effective per se, and he wants to try something else. The other thing is, is, you know, let's say he has there is a consequence. And then it sounds like, you know, I, those aren't, I, I don't really have, honestly, I don't really have consequences because I, I don't know I, what is a good consequence. Okay. I never want to be too strict. Well. Excellent. I love this question because I get this all the time. <laughs> and I talk about this, you know, people don't realize is there, are, we are giving our children tremendous privileges all the time. So I don't know your 21 year old. I don't know if he's ever getting the car or if he's ever, um, you know, uh, he's a 12 year old, he's oh, a 12, 12 year old, 12 year old. Okay. Yeah. So even more so, uh, his 12 year old child, th there are a lot of privileges, but if it's 12 year old child, I would tell you like this uh, on a, on a few ends, 
you know, first of all, you obviously don't want to be punitive to a child if they don't have the ability. They don't have, you have to be very careful. And finding the right consequences is still in itself. What's the consequence that's closest to behavior, that's appropriate, so on and so forth. But you want to make sure that he has an alternative behavior that he knows how to use. Because right now, habitually, he's on a path, anger, great cabinet. Okay? <laughs> so we have to stop that process. Now, when you want to help with motivation and changing behavior, obviously, you want to you rather work with the positive. Positive is always best. So if you can come up with some behavioral plan of some sort targeting the specific you know, behavior, and, and I go through that in the book and breaking this down, but you'd have to identify that behavior, and then you would actually find appropriate consequences. Now, the, the, the rewards, the rewards have to be meaningful, appropriate, um, and then every time they would actually use their other alternative skill, as opposed to breaking the cabinet, you would actually provide that reinforcer reward. And you would actually go from intrinsic to extrinsic uh, motivation by actually not just building the fact, oh, here's a reward, but actually, but wow, it was incredible. I saw how mad you were and you were able to conquer that and use that skill. You know, here's your reward, that was amazing. You know, put it on your chart. Here's a token, one we're on the way. So using positive reinforcement is great. Now, when he doesn't, when he actually, if it's something meaningful and he actually, you had it built into place. The other thing, sometimes consequences or punishment, sometimes is we don't want to necessarily go there as often, but what we know is, is that there is a place for that. I, I think the whole idea in dialectics, we're not going stream, but punishment is needed. There's research that's very, kids who never get consequences or, you know, they don't grow up with being able to, um, you know, have self uh, limits or self-regulation because everything is permissive. Permissive parenting has shown to not be effective. But punitive parenting is not effective either and being very, very harsh. So it's finding that balance in a very, very loving way. So maybe perhaps he broke the cabinet. He needs to fix the cabinet. Or perhaps he needs he won't get his allowance this week because it will go towards the cabinet. But again, we also want to have a conversation with him. What could you do instead next time your sister makes that comment? You can go to your room. You can try to relax yourself. You can go on your bike. You, you can have a, a box in your room of different of music or different things to help you know, validating the emotion, but giving him other skills at the same time to be able to do. Am I, is that being helpful? Am I clear? Yeah. Maki? Maki, Maki's muted. Um, okay. okay, sorry to do this next. Um, we have about seven pending questions, Maki, that people want to ask live, but we have a rule on the show. You know how the rule goes? Do you know the rule? Did I tell you the rule before you came on? No, I don't remember. You look like lost. The rule is that if you were ever on before, you get Kadima before everybody else. Yeah. Somebody who was on before wants to go on live, so let's put them on. You ready? Go. Hey, Matis, how are you? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, special guest, Dr. Manman. I, I missed the opening of this uh, conversation, but I had the privilege of actually reading the book. So we got a preview of all. And endorsing it. Thank you. I only endorsed it because I read it. <laughs> One second, pause before you continue. Anybody who doesn't know, this is Dr. Mandelman. He was on one of our shows. He uh, is one of the biggest clinicians. How do you say it? Uh, Diagnosticians in uh, basically you know, the from networks. So um, continue. Sorry, just in case nobody knows who you are. So what did I miss? What did you miss? Uh, you missed basically the Matis wrote the manual how to parent all all kids. And uh, after you read the book, you're good to go. Is that correct? 
He's being anti-dialectical. <laughs> yeah. So what, what did I miss? What was it, what was on the conversation that went on? We're just having a conversation about the uh, child with ADHD um, who breaks property, uh, is highly impulsive, and then you know how could we get him to stop that behavior? And and mom would go to him after when he calms down and have a conversation about what he did. I was trying to explain that those conversations are usually not very effective. Um, and that really, <laughs> why might that be? Yeah, but using other strategies, obviously medication if that works, but using other behavioral strategies to help them either through positive reinforcement or consequences and how to do that in an effective way. If it works, if it's not working, stop it and figure out what's going on and what's wrong. Don't continue to do it, any technique or intervention that's just leading to more problems and tension. Mm -hmm. And learning to readjust. Yes. That also becomes part of the dialect. Change is constant. Exactly. And embracing the change. It's a dynamic process, as you state. That's right. When should a parent bring the child to Dr. Mandelman? Only for the diagnostic. Mathis actually does the treatment part. Of it, mm. Not I. Okay, let's, let's go to live questions. We have like seven pending. So I'm going to go to the next one. Okay, Dr. Mandelman? Go for it. It's Mathis and Shell. Shragan. Let's go. Hello, thank you. Hello, Matis. Hello, Dr. Mandelman. Um, I'll try to be brief with this question. Uh, my son has done a lot of hard work over the years uh, to become aware of his uh, strong emotional reactions to perceived and real criticism from adults. He's a very sensitive uh, boy. He's 12 years old. Um, his perception of reality has done a, almost 180, 180 in the positive direction. And one of the main issues um, right now that he that we're dealing with in school is that, you know, and the school does does work hard to try to work with him, but no no matter how often um, we do work with the school, you know, very often times there will be teachers that aren't able to speak to him in a non-emotional way, um, and that times that brings out a strong reaction for my son. So my question is at this point. Um, a very isolated question. How do I deal with discrepancies between his story and the teacher's story? I see how hard he is trying and I don't want to discourage him by defending the teachers if I, it's very likely that they are making a mistake. I do want him to hold him accountable um, and he's done a good job of accepting that accountability, but I feel like we're at a certain point where he's really doing his part most of the time and it's possible that the teachers are not. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a very complicated question, an important question. Firstly, I'm sure you've done this, and it's also skillfully being able to call the teachers um, and certainly validating them, the struggle, the difficulty, having them in the classroom, knowing what he's like, um, and getting their defensiveness down. And often when they're less defensive and less emotional, they're more open to listening to different strategies or ideas and say, you know, this is something we're doing at home that's really effective. Maybe we can collaborate, work together. If, if teachers don't feel attacked, if they feel that you're there to work with them and help them and you're understanding that could be really helpful. Right. I feel I, like that, that could take care of 90% of it, but the 10% could still be pretty, pretty significant. Yeah, and, and, not, and often that doesn't take care of 90% because often you know, people are people, teachers are teachers and they're not very responsive. Um, as far as you know, the key in the communication is, you, know, you can validate your son's now, if you know something, a teacher is doing something really wrong, you know, validation doesn't mean you're not, you're not gonna 
validate what's invalid. You know, you're not going to, what, what's not true, what's not appropriate. So you're not going to say the teacher, and say, oh, that's understandable. This is how a teacher runs a classroom. You know, if a teacher screams at a kid and throws a book at them, you're going to tell the child, no, that was not okay. Um, but, but there are nuances. There is, there is between. So if you actually can give me, so I can actually show you how I would do that, an example of what your child might say, where you want to validate him at the same time, you don't want to, you know, give this negative message uh, regarding the school. Can you just explain that question one more time? I'm sorry. Oh, I, I, my understanding is. Yeah. You, well, you wanted me to give an example of what? An example of where your child would come to you and complain about the school and you know that there's something that they're doing that's not so effective and he's trying and you want to validate him, but you don't want to give him that negative message about this school because I understood that was the question. So I guess an example could be um, if he's getting distracted, I mean, if he's trying to do his work and maybe he's getting um, distracted by, you know, other kids in the class and he's trying really hard, but, you know, it could be, you know, it's something that he has worked very hard on, um, but the teacher will often will, will lump him into the group that maybe is not behaving and he'll sometimes have to deal with the consequence for that and his sense of uh, being right and unjustness is, you know, he feels very strongly about it. Um, so I guess they had, had to deal with like that type of situation. I want, I want you to be him for a second. Let's do some role play so I can get a sense of him. Um, could you give me a first name? Any first name? Could we call, we'll call you Maishia, that's fine. Shra my name's Shraga. Shraga, okay. So um, so you're, you're your child, you're coming to me, you're Shraga, you're coming to me, I'm the parent, okay? Um, so you start with your complaint. Let's do this quick. Let's do a little role play. Teacher was so unfair to me today. You know, I'm trying to do my work. I've been trying so hard, and I asked to switch my switch my seat, and these kids keep on, you know, they get distracting, and and always me me be just because you know I have my history. You know, I'm the one that gets sent to the principal's office. Shragi, first of all, I want to tell you, you're doing amazing in school. Mommy and Ava see how hard you're working, or Tati, and it's incredible. It's incredible, and it, we know it's harder for you than other kids, and you get easily distracted, and you're still, it's, you're, you've done this crazy turnaround, and, and we are so impressed. And you know, being in school is hard, and sometimes you, know, you get with a group of kids, or you get distracted, and the teacher has to run the classroom, and you get sucked up into that, and, and it's hurtful, and it's painful, and we hear that. And, but you're, you're going on a good path. So keep that up. You know, it's definitely, we see there's less of that, than before. Overall, this teacher, I know you've learned some good stuff in that class and you really, you really like him or you like her. She's a really good teacher. But, um, you know, I, I think if you just could continue on that path, because sometimes that happens in classrooms, you know, and, and it's really, there's a part of it that's true that's not fair because some of those other kids, when they talk and stuff, they don't have the struggle that you have. Um, and you do get lumped together and that's difficult, but we're proud of you. So keep it up. And if it gets really bad, you could always come and keep talking to me about it. So it's more of just like, this is, you know, life without saying that, you know, as strong, the reality, I mean, what you're telling me is that this is, this is life and like sort of just help him validate this is a hard experience and like, let's move on. Again, if effective, if he's going to respond, I'm validating him, I'm helping, I'm, I'm naming his emotions for him. I'm acknowledging the work that he's doing. I'm also saying is, is that, you know, not just like it's part of life, but I'm, I'm describing and, and, and being aware that, you know, there are complications going on in a classroom that makes sometimes difficult to understand that perspective. At the same time, not saying that I'm acknowledging it's not always so fair because he is putting greater effort. 
So you're siding with him, but you're not putting the negative on the teacher. Again, if the teacher was really doing something appropriate, that might be a different type of discussion. Okay, thank you very much. Okay. Ramat, what about actually teaching the kids some distress tolerance within that conversation? Understanding that, that, yeah, you're going to have to use those skills despite the fact that it isn't fair. Yeah. So what, what I understand from Shaggy's question, that is that he's, the boy has done a tremendous amount of work and he's already made a lot, a lot of gains um, and that he is using those skills. And there's still some times that he's still getting caught up. So I wouldn't, per, I, perhaps, I don't wouldn't know the situation I could suggest a skill, but I also wouldn't want him to make him feel if he's doing all this work, well, you got to work harder. You got to no, do I have a question about working hard, but when you're, you're going to have to, like, not just like we were saying before, yeah, this is real life, real life is tough. No, but this is going to be something in the course of interacting with people that are they're going, this is. I think I think that if, if there's an encounter, what yeah. skill can it be teaching? Yeah, I, I think that if there's an opportunity to, I, I think by the way, the fact that he's actually coming home, communicating with you, expressing open in a way is, is a healthy way of him trying to express and regulate his emotion. But I do agree that if he's in the classroom and he's got those urges or he's feeling distressed in general, or he's coming home distressed, like you're saying, because of what happened, giving him some tools and skills. What are you telling the kid? What skill would I tell him to? Yeah, he comes home, he throws his knapsack down. He's the teacher's an idiot, came after me, sent me to the principal's office for no reason. Everyone's out to get me. I'm working so hard. I'm doing so much better. What do they want from my life? They're all miserable. What am, what are you, what am I doing? So I, I, what I would see from there is that probably that's not a good time to have that conversation, period. His emotions would be too high to even have a conversation where you can help him understand and process into his emotion. In that case, I would tell him, you know what? I wanna to talk to you about this soon. You just came home, clearly have a rough day. What can you do right now? What are some of the things you do? Maybe people are texting, I just wanna read that. So when is the, 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 the ideal time to have these conversations? You know, it, it, I'm gonna be again, and I know you're gonna hate it, it, dislike this, but everything I'm gonna say is it's a dialectic. It's knowing that recipe for that child because every child is different and you're gonna to have to learn and be mindful of yourself and the child to know is it. At the same time, there are general guidelines, you know, when there's low stimulation in the environment, you know, not around other kids. When you see the child's emotion is down, not when they're stuck, like, you know, Dr. Manlin was saying, when he's come on, I hate this school, stupid, I'm not. That's not a time you're gonna have a conversation. So if you wanna think between zero to 30 on a monitor of uh, emotion, zero to 100, I would say that's the time frame that's the appropriate time to have a conversation like that, but you know your child uh, and you know yourself. Um, it's also nice very often to do it over a positive time, a game, having a snack together, some quiet time, you know, where the child feels the positive connection and they're gonna be more receptive. But again, going back to, I don't wanna lose Dr. Mandelman's point, you can suggest, you know, go to, as I said before, he can go to his room, listen to some music, go on his bike a little bit, um, you know, uh, go play some ball. Um, you know, call a friend, you know, do some distraction, some distress tolerance, and then come back. And then we can work on problem solving, regulating emotion, identifying your emotion, expressing emotion, which can help regulate. Well, let's go to the next question. We have a lot of questions. I feel like we got to cover more ground. Okay, next, you're on. Hi. Hi. Okay, so I want to go back a little bit to the first question, really. Talk a little bit lower. Your mic is very loud. So talk a little bit on a lower tone, if you don't mind. Sorry about that. Thank you. 
so I really just wanted to go back to the first question where the woman was describing a son who comes home and is, throw, you know, is throwing things. Um, I hear the mahala in the big picture, and I, and I um, complete, you know, like with our son, we're sending him to therapy to try to give him better tools. But my question is, while it's happening and people are being hurt, um, or he's doing something dangerous, and my kids could get really dangerous. Yeah. What do yeah. I do then? Like the only thing that has ever worked for us is to physically hold him down, and that's draining. And the older he gets, the more draining it is. Yeah. It's not something yeah. that could continue. But in the big picture, I do think it's getting better, but it still happens, and it happens way too often. And it's not something I could just ride out. If I can, I do. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to respond to that. It's an excellent question. Sometimes when it comes towards harming other people, right, you might need to do that type of intervention and, and you embrace change over time. But again, you, you want to also be addressing and teaching other skills for the child at the same time. Or as I talk about using reinforcement strategies, catching the child when they are doing good or putting in behavioral charts or contracts. But if the child is going to go ahead and, and, and hurt the other child, children, you remove those children from the environment. You bring them to a different place um, to protect those other. I've seen many cases like that. Um, sometimes the parent is not strong enough um, and removing themselves from the situation completely because safety is first uh, or calling for help if it's really, really bad. So of course, there's always, as I said, there's a place for everything and you have to know the context. <clears throat> but again, if you can work with the child, obviously addressing their underlying pain, or putting in sort of rewards or a positive reinforcement, um, um, you know, those things are, are overall helpful and effective. But if you're in the moment and your child's about to do something that's very dangerous, you need to hold them back. Now, that's assuming that they're going to do that. Um, you know, if you can remove yourself first, that might be better. Okay, next slide. Here we go. You're, you're on. Okay. Mommy. Hi, hi, Mommy. hi. Thank you. So, um, um, okay. The question goes like this: How do we accept a child who comes out? You know, the macha of the generation right now. There's a lot of things out there in the world that they learn from books or online or whatever, and they come out and they struggle as a teenager, 13 years old. They're struggling with the um, mm -hmm. self-image, and they come out as sexual orientation, transgender, whatever they're dealing with. So as a parent, you know, we want to be supportive. And we, we understand their struggle, but we don't agree with them. So how do we dialectically go through this? No, it's, it's, it's an excellent question. And again, a, a very deep and difficult question and painful question on a lot of levels. Um, first of all, I, one of the key things about acceptance um, in, in accepting a child, acceptance does not mean approval. And I think that's really important is that when you're accepting, you're, you're accepting the reality of the situation. That doesn't mean you're saying to your child that you approve that reality of the situation, but you're accepting because, you know, trying to push towards change is just not effective. How do you accept? I mean, that takes a lot of work. And, and I, I do break it down in different skills and, you know, by looking looking when you're fighting acceptance, looking at causes, making meaning, embracing change, looking at pros and cons, trying to connect to other positive aspects of your child. Um, and sometimes, you know, your child will engage in behaviors that you'll have to make choices 
that you'll, you know, sometimes we have to ask a child to leave a home or, you know, in more significant situations. That doesn't mean you don't accept the situation and acknowledge the sadness and acknowledge the pain. And that doesn't mean you don't um, love them unconditionally. One has nothing to do with another. So you can accept, work on, I should say, you know, to radically accept where they are that, but by no means that's approval. It's just acceptance of the reality of what is. I, I don't know if you hear that distinction, but it's accepting what is, not what you want it to be, and not saying even validation. Is, you're not. You're not saying it's okay. Am I being clear? Yeah. Yeah. Not easy. Yeah. Not easy. It's not. No. Okay. No. No. And you should. Have, I'm just give you the strength to. I just want to throw in. Does do they go straight to the acceptance as radical acceptance? Um, just for a parent to be aware of their own emotions when these things come up, automatically they have to go through the process of anger and uh, who knows what yeah. until they can go to that yeah. place yeah. of acceptance. You know, when you know you're hitting acceptance, a good key for you if you wanna work on that is when you move from anger to sadness, you're moving towards acceptance because anger usually comes from shoulds. He shouldn't be like this, he shouldn't be doing it. And that's where the anger is. But the acceptance is full of sadness and hurt and grieving. You're grieving the, the reality of what life has presented to you and the struggle you have with the child. And that's painful, but you're not fighting it. So yeah, it is a process and it is like the stages of grief, very, very similar. Again, we also have, we're also having difficulty accepting because of a lot of, and that's more complicated and since we have where our own upbringing and our own certain belief systems that are certainly impacting our parenting where we sometimes overcompensate or we're too scared to put up limits because that you, you were, you were uh, you know, uh, emotionally or physically abused as a child and you're going to extremes because your own emotional struggles. Throughout the book, I actually have a whole thing on roadblocks for each chapter, I don't know if you saw that, Menachem, where, where there are actually thoughts and emotions that get in the way from implementing skills, just to give parents some. They're great, they're great ideas and I see how you can flip a card from positive to negative in a second, but it's a lot of work. A tremendous amount it's of work. And that's, of work. Why, that's why I think it's important to reiterate, you know, this is not the book, you know, there's, it's, it has tremendous amount of skills and knowledge and really dialectics is really just changing the way how you think, uh, how you think about yourself and your children and the environment and keeping open to change and understanding that there are different truths and there are different realities on both sides and trying to be as effective and letting go of judgment and being mindful and not getting stuck in those things and, and just look and, and throwing yourself in to what works. Right, so the acceptance is the place we want to get to, but on the way, yeah. there's a lot of the, the, the I, anger, I, the depression, I, I'm, I'm, and that's fine. Yeah, I'm gonna say even further, I can't really make change very often until I accept. Until I accept my child has ADHD, perhaps, you know, then I can't even work on making change. No, it's fine. It's okay. No, he's just, he's just a kid. He's just grow up. But I was like that when I was a kid too. Right. So if I don't, sometimes even to move towards change, it's not acceptance by itself. I need to accept the reality or I have to accept the reality. My child is struggling in school. I have to accept the reality. My child is emotionally sensitive. If I keep the, ah, not big deal, sensitive, crying, everyone, this generation, we're all, oh, everyone's sensitive, right? If I'm gonna, rather than accept me, no, my child is more sensitive. There are other needs that this child has. Then I could change, then I could use techniques and skills to help that child. 
Okay, there's a lot of live questions. Doesn't stop him. Usher, Usher, can okay. I jump in here for a second? Yeah, Menachem, let's go. Everybody, okay, Menachem, awesome. come in. Oh. L42, works for Matis Miller. Yeah. Right. Excellent, so, excellent, excellent therapist. And, and an excellent therapist. That too. I needed to hear that. All right. Um, I, I just wanted to say this really quick. Um, I have, I've had access to this book, I would say for about a year and a half now. I've been seeing different chapters, um, helping Matis critique, et cetera. Um, to the clinicians out there, uh, especially, you'll know what I'm talking about. Very often when we see clients who are children, uh, we realize that we have to bring the parents in and do some, some parenting with them. Um, that job of parenting has become a lot easier uh, since I've been able to read um, what Mathis has in the book. Um, so I'm actually very excited that other people, that the, the Hamoinam, the world at, at large, is going to have access to what I have access to right now. And I, I just want to urge everyone to take advantage of it. Thank you, Thank you. I didn't pay him to say that. Self-endorsement. We'll, Self we'll, we'll talk tomorrow. Okay, next live. Let's go. Sorry. You're on. Yeah, my question is is more for the highly sensitive child. When we're doing the first part, you know, listening and validating and trying to um, identify their with their reality, um, what if as a parent um, of a very, very highly sensitive child, let's say with a, a serious um, chip on their shoulder, we wonder if the, the reality is, is in fact the reality. What if the reality is just the fiction of their anxiety or, or their sensitive, highly sensitive soul or... or extremely Excellent. emotional outbursts are coming from their place of thinking that the other people are here to hurt them. Um, yeah. Sometimes I wonder if like, if it's a fiction of their anxiety, like their world is covered yeah, by I, the glasses. Yeah, so, so I have this all the time. I have this with adults in therapy. You know, they come in, my spouse did this and he's a narcissist or she's a narcissist and is it borderline or is it this and that. So how do, you, how do you validate them when that might not necessarily be the facts? And really what we're validating, we only validate facts. So what we can validate is, and it can be very helpful with their child, don't validate something that's not reality, but you can validate his thoughts, his emotions, his experiences. So you can validate, say, you know, I wish I had an example that you, you specifically with the child, but you can validate is, um, you can validate, oh, wow, I see that's really frustrating or hurting you. And I see that, you know, you can validate. So you're telling me that you, you, you feel that people are out to get you. Um, you don't have to validate that, no, people are out to get you. It's very important. Validate, when we validate, we're not validating the invalid. So we're, you can focus on thoughts, emotions, history, experiences, but not necessarily uh, facts that are not based in reality. And that can help regulate the emotion a little bit because it is their valid reality. They are experiencing it like that. They are having thoughts like that, they have emotions. And when they feel again, that you can validate or enter into their experience that can help them regulate emotion and then open up their mind to see perhaps different perspectives. Once the emotion gets down, they can get less stuck. Does that make sense? Can I give an example? So maybe you can apply it there. Sure. So, so nobody really likes me. They're not really my friend. They're just doing a big, you know, mitzvah and a charity case. I'm the pity. I'm the pity kid. Like, Maishi, it must be so hurtful to think that your friends don't like you and that you're a pity case. That that must hurt to, to walk around feeling, you know. But it's not really true. Everybody really likes the kid. It's her own chip okay, on her shoulder. You see, you just you just. I mean, I, I don't mean to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That would be complete invalidation. So, whoa, 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 whoa. No, everyone likes you. So what happens when you say everyone likes you? It's just a chip on your, just, he, so in his mind, he's like, 
well, what do you mean? Wait, then his emotion intensifies, then your emotion intensifies, then his emotion, and you get nowhere. But if you connect, what he he is hurt, correct? Mommy, is he hurt? Is your child hurting? They're, they're crying. Nobody likes yes. me. They really yes. feel hurt. Yes. Is he in his reality? Is he thinking that people don't like him? Yeah, definitely so. If someone's walking around thinking people don't like them, is that painful and hurtful? Yeah, but it's a, it's a figment of their own imagination. Okay. You look how you say, yeah, but. Uh -huh. Yes, that is so hurtful. And at the same time, it's a figment of their imagination. If you can get in touch with the first part, we could address the second part, perhaps. But I can tell you just if you work on the first part, it will be much easier to work on the second part. Because your uh -huh. child feels that invalidation and he's going to hold up his defenses. No, no, I know they don't like me. I know they don't like me. I know they hate me, right? And that's just going to escalate and escalate. And there's going to be tension in the relationship. You're never going to, it's going to be very difficult to get to place to help them see the other perspective. Uh-huh. Okay, Matt, it, let's, oh, sorry, I'm going to go to the next question because I have 10 pending. I have to move on. Sorry. Um, the next person is coming on is actually a very close friend of mine, Vidalia Miller. He has an organization, I'll mute him. He I actually has an organization, Matt, that's called Kesher Nash. You ever heard of them? I've heard of them, yes. So this is the president of the organization. So he wants to speak. Anybody who doesn't know, Kesha now, she's an organization that was there for Shabbos that um, basically children that have not from, parents that have not from children, extremely not from, um, they go there and they're, uh, <laughs> they, they um, it's a support group. And I happen to have gone with Shabbos with their coach for Nachman, a lot of speakers today. And it was, it was an unbelievable experience. And uh, we're going to talk more about it as we make the next event with them. But uh, Rabbi Gedalia, you're on. Welcome, Rabbi Gedalia. Yes, thank you for having me on. I've seen many times, especially now when we're hearing the questions. First of all, I'm very humbled to be on the show because I see a lot of people are very educated that are asking in the questions. And uh, they're very advanced questions. My question today is, a lot of the questions are being reactive to situations. And we're talking about how to handle the situation. We're not talking about de-escalating or being proactive in the situation. So, what I did think of asking is, I'm struggling with that because the calls that are coming into us are many calls when parents already tried so many different methods and they're already in, in despair, as you saw the numbers that came in on the, on the survey. So the question is, when you have the regular normal child and all of a sudden this child is acting different in this grade, um, how do you identify when this child is actually being triggered by trauma, or bullying, or has shown other things that this child is going through in the early stages, so we don't get to that point where the child is already, we'd call them stage two, three, and four, or people are calling these kids ADD, ADHD, not necessarily. I'm not uh, saying that the, the therapist that's getting this child acting this way is, is identifying the child wrong. They're actually having all these symptoms. How can we get to the original point where the child is being bullied or the child is going through a hard time where a regular parent should be able to identify that something is completely wrong right now with this child and they're going through a hard time and there might be something going on right now. So um, it's an excellent question. And, and as I said, in the, even when we talk about dialectics, there are many, many causes. And it's sometimes you're right, it's an ADHD executive function, but many times it can be other experiences. Some experiences that you can't even do it, it could be a, a divorce in a family, it could be death of a lost one, it can be something that happened in the school, it can be trauma, there can be many, many things. And you know what, I, I could be honest with you, I mean, 
I dive in almost every day. I, even with all my knowledge and all my therapy, we don't, we don't know. We can't protect our kids 100% around the world. So how, the question is an excellent question. How can we, where could prevention come in? Where can we hope that perhaps we can identify some of the causes early on and do that? And I think that really, I would say off the top of my head, number one is mindfulness, is being very, very aware of yourself and your child, making space and time for your child, observing your child, nuances in facial expression, in, in behavior, in being in touch with the school. And if there is having that very loving, connected communication with your child that you could sit down and you can talk with them and you can ask them and you can follow up and make it comfortable and safe for them to talk. Because that's how these things come. You know, when I have parents come into my office and they say, they just learned the horrific thing about a child being abused or sexually abused, you know, the first thing is I say, you know, this is a blessing you're here. And when the child is 11 years old, there are people who are holding on to this information till they're who knows how old before they, and so many years of pain. And a lot of that is because they have that relationship with the child. They, they, the child knows to communicate, the child's educated, the child feels comfortable at home. It's not always like that, but I think, you know, being very, very aware, participating in your child's life, being that there's a place for them to feel that they can open up, they can feel vulnerable, um, they can talk, you can check in with them, you have time, special times with them. There are so many opportunities that can lead to better communication. Sometimes we're so busy in our lives and we're going from one thing to the next and running in and running out and not making that space and time. And we're all guilty of it, I'm guilty of it. Very often it, it's, you know, it's very difficult. That's what I would say off the top of my head that would help with uh, those things and uh, prevent, uh, you know, prevention. Okay, uh, should we do one role play now or question first? We have 10 pending, uh, Matas. Should we do the second role play? Whatever you want. All right, since we have a big crowd, so let's do the second role play. I think it's important. I think it's very to get a lot of parents, and I think it'll be fun to do. Asha, are you the baby? What? Are you going to be the baby? I'm always the baby. That would that would be <laughs> that would just be regular. Okay, story two. Menachem, you're the spoiled brat. Matis, you're the healthy, balanced parent. Hopefully, First, let's do it. Let's let's do it the way most people do it, and then we'll try to do it the right way. Can we do that? I mean, I don't want to say most people, but perhaps people. Wow. Dialectical. I like that. Okay. Okay. The story goes like this. The child comes home. He's telling his mother, I need this thing right now. I need a new Segway. I need a new <laughs> iPad. I need a new Apple Nano, whatever it is. And the mother says, you just got this, the other toy yesterday. We can't every day get you another toy. The boy loses it, screaming, yelling, going psycho. Spoiled Menachem. Go. Everyone has a Segway. I want, want you to buy me a Satati. Could you buy me a Segway today? I need a Segway. Everybody has a Segway. Can we go now online? Can we go to Target? Can we buy a Segway? I need to have the Segway. Everyone has it, and I need it also. Can I please? Can we? Can we? Please, can, 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 can we go? Can we go? Can we go? Could we? Could we? Please go get it now. I need it now. I, everybody has it. Watch it. Watch it. And, and hear I me. I need out. it. I need it now. Maishi, Maishi, you know how many things I bought you? You have to get every single gadget. I, I, I need I the segway. I need a seg. They all have the segway. I'm the only one on the block without. Usher, usher, cut, 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 nothing. For real? Yeah. I want you to continue the role play. I love what you're doing and it's real. I'm just gonna ask you to give me a chance to talk 
oh. just so I could demonstrate wrong or right, because if not, we'll just keep Beautiful. Get worded. So go again. Well, you're, you, you're doing great. Could you get me a segue now? You know what? You always want everything now. And, and I've gotten, it was just Hanukkah. I got you so many presents. You, you're just, it's never enough. It's never enough. You know, have a thank you. Everyone you know, has everyone has a segue, and I'm you know, the only one doesn't who have, doesn't have a segue. Everyone has. Let's call everyone right now. Who has? Do you want everyone? Let's call everyone. The whole world has. None of the whole world has. Look, the two, two boys down look the block. Next door, look next the door, the, the, the burgers, they don't have. The steins, they don't the have. Burgers, we're not like the burgers. Who looked? Why are you looking at the burgers? You know, that's right. Look, no, they have. Look, they have. Talk, you know, we, first of all, we don't talk like that. We don't talk like that. Don't talk about other people negatively. And, and, and you're just putting down. Clearly, it's not everyone. Was it everyone? It's not everyone. Tati, you're so abusive. Tati, you're such a control freak. Let's go. Next. Yeah, that was the right way, guys. That was the right way. <laughs> that was the that was definitely the wrong way. Okay, let's let's try to do the right way. Menachem, let's go. Do something else. Let's go. Can I please have a segue now? I said, please. Tati, can we go? We're not going to go get a segue Could we? Now. You always I, I, say, I, oh, you always say the same thing. Whenever I want something, you tell me no. Okay, I, 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 listen. You tell me listen. I have to stop. Listen to me. Maishi, I see you feel like that. That I always say that. What I'm going to tell you is regarding the segue. The segue is not something I'm going to get now. I understand a lot of kids have it. I understand you really want it. It is not something that we're going to get today. I have nothing. Never. I I always ask for this, and you don't get it to me. Every time you tell me the same thing. We can discuss it. Another time, perhaps it's something we could focus on and work towards or earn for a birthday or something like that, but it is not something that we're getting now. So I, our family has the least. Look, everybody has other stuff. Our family has nothing. I can't take it anymore. Aishi, this is crazy. Aishi, I said, no, I'm sorry. We're not getting it. The answer is no. I'm okay, so what did you do different between the first time and the second time? Again, you know, the first thing is, you know, regulating my own emotion, not getting stuck stu stuck up in everything he's saying. He's saying things inappropriate, right? But I don't have to get into that because it's not key word and that we talk about in mindfulness being effective. He's not going to say, oh, Ty, you're right. It's not everybody. Oh, you're right. Maybe I should have thought about that before I said that to you. There is no, he's not interested. All he wants is a segue. And that's what he wants. And he should want it for whatever reasons why he wants it. And he wants it now, right? And, and if he can get his way and I give in, I don't blame him. If I was my shit, I went to the segue, I would do the same thing. So there is our job, again, to maintain that focus, to be in the moment, not on my phone, not doing 50 things. Look at him and I say, I know that the answer is no. If this is not something where we want to have this, well, it's not fair. There are certain times that we can get it. Uh, I don't care, I want it now. The answer is no. And once he sees that he's not getting a response, I'm setting that limit, okay, in that case. Now, perhaps it is a reasonable request and I can have a different type of dialogue, but here was a place that we decided that this was a limit, that especially the now, I want it now. That was a limit. As far as we sit down, not getting it, we can, can discuss we, that later. Can we sit down and talk about it? Yes, I think we can. And I, and Maishi, you know what? I appreciate how you said that. I appreciate it. So let's go. You heard, go. I, you heard me and now I would use my reinforcement. You heard me and, and you want it. I think that's the discussion we can have. So, so come, I let's, let's have the discussion. What? Let's have the discussion. Okay, I, I cannot have the discussion right now, but perhaps later this evening after I, okay. Well, I can tell you like this. If you can let go, 
and you can go to your homework and do what you have to do, I will have discussion. If this continues, the discussion will not happen today. Okay, so there I'm using some negative reinforcement as well to get into contingency. And if you would say, well, I want to have it now, say, okay, I guess it's going to have to wait tomorrow. We'll try again then. I love you, but this is this is where we're at. Rah. So rah, so let him rah, move away, and, and don't give that behavior any attention. It's easy to say. I know there's emotions and there's difficult. I get caught in this too. But these are the things that we need to work on and improve ourselves. Okay. Matas, beautiful. I think the example is great. Everybody really likes it. Your kids especially like it. They're like, oh, Pat does this every single day. Exactly like that. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to the next question. Yeah, yeah. Your son is saying he already has the segue and he already has everything. Yeah. I happens to me they don't have the segue and they did ask for it, but whatever. Well, I'm sure I'm going to get that after the talk today. But after, maybe you should collaborate with a son exactly what to do. <laughs> okay, let's go. We have more live questions. Sarah, Sarah. Lo. I want yeah. to. Yeah. yeah, so I wanted to say thanks so much for you know, host, you know, hosting this and talking about DBT. I'm really a fan of it. Um, I'm wondering, like, Around my own struggles, like mental health struggles, I'm wondering, like, I've, I've, I've taken DBT myself. I'm wondering if, like, DBT could be incorporated in, like, the yeshiva school system with boys and girls. I know there's probably going to be a lot of resistance because it's, like, a psychology topic and who wants to hear about psychology, but I really feel like it could prevent a lot of discipline problems and could even help the teacher. I could help the students and um, wondering what you wondering what you think about that. Um. Yeah, it, it, first of all, there is already in some of the girls' schools. It is being integrated. Um, I know they have some DBT skills training for the girls in schools. I'll tell you, you know, in the secular world, uh, they do have a lot of that. They are teaching kids skills uh, to regulate emotions, tolerate distress, be mindful, um, and they're, they're, they're bringing it into schools. Um, you know, it, it's, it's more complicated. It depends on what school and what age. Um, but of course, you know, I love the idea. Um, you know, I think that sometimes the kids would gain more from that, but there are complications. It has to be the right setting in the right way and smaller groups. And, you know, it depends on how the kids are going to respond and the teacher and things like that. But overall, I, I think it's wonderful. I think these are skills that I, I, I benefit from, so many people could benefit from. And it, again, a lot of this is research-based and it's not all new stuff. And again, it's also a lot of it is based on, you know, I had people in my group, you know, we run male groups and female groups and teenage groups and graduate groups. And I had one, you know, they, they called it the Mito's class, you know, or I had people who gone because their spouses were struggling. There, there is so much to gain in their, your own character and development. And it's packaged in a way that's really helpful. I would say there's a school in Lakewood. Uh, there's probably more, but there's one school that I know of where they hire the person to be there and to do that with the challenging kids. And that's me. Wow, okay, awesome. Let's keep it going. That's great. Are you ready for the next one, Matos? We're hitting you tonight nonstop. I hope we can, I hope we can handle, handle the punches. Okay, I'm trying. Okay, let's go, you're on. <clears throat> um, okay, so this is dealing with a younger child, like a three-year-old. Um, who was very naturally very stubborn and sensitive to criticism. Um, and I know that I'm a little too soft with him because I feel bad that he was born with this nature that's hard, hard to have. Um, and I was wondering if you could explain how to keep a good balance between making him feel safe with boundaries and still making him feel loved and accepted with the nature that he was given. 
Okay, now, Jacusius, I, I missed the very first part. You said he was born, your child is born more sensitive. Was that what you He's said? He's very, very, very stubborn and also sensitive to criticism, which okay. is a hard, um, hard to have both. My responses for you is you have to be, you have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, you know, I, I understand and, and I, I hear in your voice and you're, you're, very soft and caring and love looking your child. And I think that's amazing. And, and I'm gonna encourage you to continue to do it. At the same time, you have to logically get yourself to understand that limited settings is essential. You think you're helping the child, you're hurting the child. You think your softness is there because you don't want them to feel criticized. They will feel loved. We know, you know, I, I quote this in the book, this is John Gottman's research in couples is that it's a five to one ratio, a five to, uh, in, in keeping marriages, five positive to negative ratio. And you are certainly having the five plus positive interactions with your son. That one is not going to, that negative interaction, and he's not good, the child, even if they act out or they tantrum, they know if you're consistent and soft and caring, come in place from love, they will know and they will internalize that message of love. And they will also learn in the real world, like we were saying before, that there are limits and there are consequences. And so how do you get yourself? You have to get yourself to realize what's best for the child. And then you have to go a skill that we call opposite action. Although you feel uncomfortable um, and you want to just avoid, which makes sense, you got to go opposite and allow yourself to be uncomfortable and, and put, put those limits and say no, because that's what's best for the child. You think you're helping the child again, but you're really essentially hurting them um, by not putting, be, being on too much on the other end of the extreme. So you wanna go opposite that and allow yourself to feel that uncomfortable and over time it will get easier as you see your child thrive as a result. Thank you very much, Mathis. Um, here we go, let's really go. Wait one second. Hi. So recently, there's been many articles in the Fro magazines about timeout. Many of you know readers or professionals were saying that when you send your child to timeout, you're like shoving them to the room exactly at the time where they can't be dealing with their own emotions. So I feel like I have a very you know a child that has outbursts. He's impulsive. Sometimes it gets loud and noisy, and the other kids are going crazy. And I feel like sometimes the only way to stop it is by sending him for timeout to calm down so that everyone else could calm down before we actually speak and deal with it. So what would be your take on the whole timeout? I'm gonna give you my opinion. I, I, to anyone to write an article that they say it's stuffing the child and not giving him that place of love, I would like to see the research and the data backing that up. You know, to make those statements, I, you know, to me is where is that coming from now? Again, like anything, as we talk about in the dialectic, timeout can be, or anything punishment can be, you know, if you use it in a, in a punitive way, if you overuse it, if you're always using punishment, if you're saying go and you're being not, you know, but if you take them by the hand and you're calm and you say you have to be here for, and there's research on this for a certain amount of minutes per age, and then, and then you have them sit there. And then when it's time to come out, you come and you sit next to them and you explain to them, you know, not before, you know, why I let you and I love you very much. And you know you needed that time, and I would like you to come back. And next time, let's get back on track. And again, the moment the child is doing good and back on track, give them tons of positive. I see you're doing great. Keep it up. You know, mommy. See, so so it's all about how it's implemented. To say it's 
squashing the child. Listen, I mean, many of us had, had timeouts. Many children have timeouts. I, I don't see evidence that that's leading to dysfunction. You know, abuse, yes. Not a child being put in timeout by loving parents. I don't know about you guys. I, I don't know, but I haven't seen that as a problem that's leading to a guy coming to therapy who's saying, now, yes, the one who was locked in the basement and they locked the door and they left them there for an hour all by themselves at three years old. Yeah, that's trauma. But it's all about how it's implemented and finding that balance. Excellent, Matas. Really sharp, 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 short answer. Okay. <laughs> sorry, I, I never got so overwhelmed. I'm sorry. Let's go, you're on. Okay, so if there's a 12-year-old girl who is has a very hard time regulating themselves and has very verbal um, outbursts um, and is on a rampage about the other siblings and um, constantly blaming the other siblings for everything that's going wrong and um, gets very aggressive, how do you suggest um, working with such a kid when they absolutely refuse therapy? And the few times that we were able to get them into therapy, it was to, they kind of just went for the sake of going, but was not listening to a word and was counting down the seconds to get out of there. Yeah. Matas, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to pause you for a second. Uh, one of the questions I got emailed very similar to hers. I'd like to combine them. I think I think it goes well together. Can I do that? Sure. Sorry. What would you advise when a child nine years old constantly hurting her younger siblings, particularly the brother below him? When he is calm, he agrees that it's not okay to do, but says he gets so angry he can't control himself. It has gotten to the point where he, he even bit him from anger. He says the other kids bother him so he reacts, but honestly, most of the time, it's self-imposed jealousy or he's being super sensitive, like the other kid is singing or bothering him. Sometimes he just push or shove a sibling because I don't know why. I just had the urge to do it. I'm afraid of this will turn into as an adult, if not addressed. Started therapy recently to address. Additionally, I'm afraid of what he is doing to other kids. The brother below him has, fin has finally had enough of being hurt and is acting out himself. The child that is doing this is super sensitive as well as dealing with him is walking on eggshells, especially when he is the one in the moods. When he is calm, he could be a real tzaddik and a mensch. Okay, I, it was a lot of information on both. I'm going to try to respond to it. You know, again, on what you just read, I hear a little bit of balance. They're accepting the child, but I hear this self-imposed jealousy, super sensitive. To me, I hear judgment, you know, and that already is going to affect the parenting and the relationship and the interaction. Um, you know, it, it's really hard again, you know, and that's where the acceptance comes in. Yes, therapy can help, but the child might not be ready or willing. You get them in the room and they go one and then they refuse. You're not going to twist their arm and create trauma by bringing them every single time. Um, so what I would tell you uh, again is, you know, focusing on, first of all, accepting the reality of who she is, accepting her emotional sensitivity, as in working on acceptance, not judging, trying to be understanding at the same time and validating her position and her struggle. And when it's not easy, you know, we talk about it's not easy parents, it's not easy to a kid who's highly emotional and sensitive. It hurts and it hurts a lot. And it's like a third degree burn patient. You know, you just open the door and the windows open and you feel a little bit of air in your arm. It's like, ow. So it, you really to be empathetic and understanding that the child really feels and understands your pain. And going to therapy, even though they don't understand, comes with a lot of shame and I'm not normal and I'm embarrassed. It, again, they shouldn't want to go to therapy. 
because it hurts till they get mature enough or they're able to have that perception and understanding that it could be helpful for them. At the same time, you know, I, I would tell you with many of these kids, and depends on when, that you can definitely try is if to make a, a behavioral plan with the child. Say to her, you know, I see how hard this is for you. And I see how difficult it is when your, your brother, your sister, whatever bothers you, and then you scream and you yell and you throw things at them. And therefore, and I see that that happens mostly, you know, is a lot of work to do to define it. But, you know, after, what can we do to help? I want to be there for you. I want to give you some encouragement so that you, for every time you walk away, when you use skills to calm yourself down, when you don't engage in that behavior, you know, that's one thing, certainly, you know, using th those type of interventions. Again, as I said earlier, there might, what are the consequences also? You don't, you want to be too much, but that there's negative reinforcement or that there are privileges. If the child does go ahead and is extreme and doesn't care and doesn't want to work on it and they're not motivated, then sometimes negative in the short term is very focused. You know what, if, if you don't, you know, I'm going to count to three, or if you don't continue, if you continue what you're doing, you know, in the moment, I love you, dear, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not taking you to your thing tonight that you want to go to. Um, and maybe they'll stamp and they'll scream one more time and they'll jump and they'll throw something up, but they stop the behavior, you know, and then you reinforce later, you know, when you're giving them a, a, a ride to play, say, you know what, you did it. And I can only imagine how hard it was. So using a lot of shaping behavior strategies might work. They might not. And she might still. And that's acceptance of what is and understanding that change is constant. Our children are constantly changing. You know, we see it all the time. They grow into different stages. They develop, they mature. Don't, you know, all three of those are giving up. There is no hope. There is hope because our brains are changing every second. We're a second older. You know, we often say to people in dialectics, you say, can you stand in the Mississippi River twice? Right? And say, sure. You know, you can say in the same, the same river twice. No, it's not the same river because the water is always changing. So you can't stand in the same Mississippi River twice. Your child is different and we're constantly changing every moment. And again, change is transactional. When we become less judgmental, more accepting, more understanding, that does affect the child, which, you know, so it's, it's really balancing all those different skills. Matt is amazing, amazing. Next one. Matt, let me know when, you, when you're falling asleep. Let me know. I know you go to sleep usually at 10. Okay, you're on. <laughs> okay, um, so. I, I, before, before, you know, again, for those, I, I'm not very good at this, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get good at this. But, but for those of you who, um, who might be interested um, in ordering the book, uh, who've come on, um, it does help just to promote, to get it out there. I think it's very useful. I, a lot of these questions, I think it can help just change your perspective. Uncontrollablechild.com. Um, you can actually read this information on the website, give you links to go to Amazon or many other sites, uh, Barnes and Nobles to purchase the book, put your invoice number in there, um, I'm also going to start virtual book tours on Tuesdays between January 5th to April 5th before, before, prior to release. I'm going to do private group discussions and things like that. So if you're finding what I'm saying today helpful or useful, please uh, would be supportive. Thank you so much. And the website is theuncontrollabletrial.com. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, let's go. Shmuel. Okay, first of all, thank you to all the organizers and to Matis. Um Question is regarding an eight-year-old boy who has... Uh, uh, pretty big case of anxiety, um, which lands us taking over his life and uh, really, uh, you know, get gets him to, to stress out about a lot of, you know, a lot of his daily routine. 
um, most, you know, most commonly is he acts out about going on a school bus, so like, especially if there's like schedule changes and he's going to have a different driver, but it really affects a lot of other areas in his life and makes him act out. We tried validation. We try, you know, calming his fears. We tried, uh, we try, you know, incentives and, uh, we don't feel like we're really getting that far. Yeah, so, so the child has anxiety and when there's change in transition, he's acting out and you tried a lot of interventions and none of them have been effective. So he's been to therapy a little bit um, and we tried other you know, things based on stuff that we learned from other courses and stuff mm -hmm. that the therapist told us and we, we, we don't feel like it's really getting better. Okay, um, you know, it sounds like you're doing a lot of great work and doing everything you need to do. But I think it's important, as I said many times, is that sometimes change is just not working or not an option. And you know what? I, I, that doesn't mean there might be, you know, someone says, oh, I give up. You know, I, I always say, I hope I'm not the same therapist now that I'm in five years from now, because I'm going to learn more information or more helpful. But I think perhaps at this time that maybe you need to focus you and your wife on being not focusing too much on change because there's really no options and really acceptance, acceptance that this is what is right now, this is his behavior. Now, could you do some environmental changes? You know, could you be mindful of certain triggers? Could you problem solve with your spouse, different things that you know that are triggering the tantrums to, to meet those needs with something called satiation? You know, there might be other things you could do if you identify what are the triggers and what you can do to change. You know, let's say, I, I don't know if you were saying something about driving, um, but anything you can. But perhaps you need to accept. Now, acceptance doesn't mean giving up. But acceptance is helping you and your, your spouse and your family really internally try to move towards that peace that this is our child. This is their struggle right now. Doesn't mean it'll be this way, this bad forever, because change is constant. But we need to embrace this reality. This is a situation we can't change. And I think maybe letting go a little bit and the child seeing that you're still valuing, appreciating them and connecting them, that, that, that could be helpful too or not. But it will definitely want to accept, well, like we say is that um, <coughs> acceptance, um, non-acceptance plus um, and, and pain equals suffering. Um, but pain plus acceptance equals in pain, sometimes intense intense pain. But when we're fighting the reality and keep trying to change, we get frustrated and we're upset and, and it leads to us even suffering. So maybe at this point, you need to focus more on the acceptance end of it till you can move back towards change. Okay. Matos, I have a few more, okay? Then we'll go to closing. Yeah, yeah. We're here already, might as well make it happen. Right? <laughs> People engage, it's unbelievable to see this tonight. Okay, you're on. I had a question um, regarding what you were saying before, um, accepting and approving. How do we approach um, our 23-year-old son that started dressing differently, um, that we love him and we will always love him no matter what, um, but we don't that doesn't really mean that we approve of the things that he does. Beautiful. In a very loving, caring, non-judgmental way, 
um, that he shouldn't feel that there is a hindrance in our love. Because I feel like in the meantime, every piece of advice that I got was going to hinder like our love to him and it's not worth it. Yeah, I mean, that's really, again, being mindful, looking to do what's effective and what works. Now, if you feel those advice is going to help address the change, then of course, but if not, you, you know, moving towards acceptance, understanding, like you're saying, it's not effective. That doesn't mean you have to say, I love this clothing. That doesn't mean you have to take him to the store to buy the clothing. And that means you can even say, Mom, why can't you give me money? I want this type of clothing. Or she says, I want this type of clothing. You could say, I love you dearly. And, but, you know, this is, as you know, this is not something that's according to our values. I accept you and I love you no matter what, but I, I'm not going to participate in something. And I'm going to tell you, if you give that consistent message, I don't believe that your child will feel that you don't love them. You know, so again, acceptance doesn't mean approval. That doesn't mean you're, um, engaging in, in behaviors that are against your value system. Um, and you can give that message and consistently and hopefully perhaps one day they will go back to their values. You know, maybe not, um, but either way, uh, you have to do what works and what's effective. And it's more likely that, like you said, if I'm gonna sit there and fight that for that aged child, they're gonna even do it more or they're gonna even leave my relationship altogether. And both we're both gonna be just in more pain. Um, so working on accepting and embracing the reality, acknowledging the pain, letting those emotions rise, your sadness, your hurt, your pain, don't deny it. Have someone to talk to about it. And it's okay that your child sees that it hurts you. At the same time, you're not, you're not judging them or yelling at them or putting them down or being punitive to them. And they know that this is not something you prove. You don't have to tell them. It's like parents say, well, I, I need, you need to tell them. Right, right, because you're going to tell them, I don't approve of this call. Oh, I didn't know you'd approve. Okay, okay, I'll take it off immediately, right? Obviously, if that would happen, you would have done that already. So, um, yeah, I think it's trying, every case is trying to take that step back and see what's the most effective, what works. It's not what's right or wrong. It's what's principally going to get you to your goals. What are your long-term goals? And probably your long-term goals right now is to have this healthy relationship and loving relationship as possible with this child. They don't feel accepted. I'm just thinking if they change and they know the parents are not happy about it, they, by in the way they look at it is the parents don't accept them. And by the parents standing on the side and not saying anything, they're not going to change the way they feel about be, not being accepted. What could okay, the parents, I'm not, I'm not following you again. If they're doing something that it's the parents don't accept. They don't accept or the parents don't agree. Well, it's really, Let's say they don't not agree. Hand in hand. Right, but they, they're standing on the side, not saying anything. The child well, knows. Okay. But the child knows that, that, that he's not accepted because well, he's doing you know, that's, things. That's, that's, you see, that's a real dialectic. They know they're accepted and they, and they know they're not accepted. They're How both should... true. How maybe they know they're not accepted or they're not, the parents don't appreciate the type of clothing they're there but they still wholly accept them as a person. Now, if you're- t It's a hard uh, one. I, I think I, it's a hard one. I think we'll have to read your book. No, because, because the child, there's a negativity. Again, there's negativity if you're fighting the reality and you're giving a message of negativity. People have this idea is that I need to go all the way and buy the clothing for my son and do all these terrible things. 
they have this idea because then the child, if I say I love you and I'm there and there's no anger and frustration, at the same time, I'm not going to participate. Let me tell you something. Your child is taking heroin in front of you. And he says, oh, my, can you give me more money to buy heroin? So he said, oh, I have to give more money because then he won't feel accepted. You're not going to give him money? You don't like me. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Would you give him heroin, Menachem? I, I don't know. Okay. Well, well, would you give him a shotgun to kill But he needs money. But he needs oh, money. So he says, I need a shotgun to kill myself. Would you give him a shotgun to kill himself? But he needs money. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. So the, I'm using more extreme. Yeah. I'm not judgmental of anyone in this situation. I don't, I don't, I could only imagine the pain and it's not black and white and there's not a straightforward book and you need someone to guide you. But it's not a one mahalach. You know, people, this is what you do. Dialectics doesn't look like we look at every situation. Revolva talks about the nutrients of an apple and a banana are different. You know, we, we have to find we have to find what's right for that child. But it don't, there's no parenting, there's no one way. I always say if someone's gonna come in and get a counsel and say, this is what you need to your child, it's gonna, this is gonna do it, this is the way, this is walk out. Because we know it's not like that. There are certain techniques and ideas, but there's not now sometimes maybe that child needs a certain recipe, but that's complicated, and you have to know. Okay. Mathis, um, people are texting. I, I don't know if we'll jump into it. Maybe they'll ask it live. Um, but how do you do, how do you deal with that? At the end of the day, when you have a teenager that's doing something extremely dangerous and extremely, let's say, I don't know, drugs, driving with a drunk, how do you deal <laughs> You know, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, it's a boring topic. And even in the secular world, you know, it, it, there, there are certain things that, that, you know, enabling addiction and behavior. Well, we have to invite our kid in our house. And then... Well, if not, he's going to be mad at us or not. You know, we know that a lot of times, a lot of these things are reinforcing children. And it's not helpful to keep them in your house if they're in an addiction sometimes. And we're enabling, right? And giving them more money. We're hurting them. You know, and we talk about physically, I, I, and we're not going to get too much on this topic, but spiritually. You know, for those who have spiritual values and beliefs, why, why is physical and spiritual, oh, it's, you know, physical, we're worried about spiritual or not? You know? know the effects or, or what we're enabling or parts of so in other words the, the, the overall idea is that, yeah, it's a case-by-case -case basis and we have to see what is the most effective for each and every child um but change is constant and and i've actually seen parents who are very very loving and stuck to their values and the child still has a loving relationship with the parents because the message is loud and clear and i think that's the way god looks at us too god punishes us too you know right, he does. here we go next Hi, hi. Okay, that mic's not working. Let's go to the next one. Give me one second. It's actually a good friend of mine's mother. I'm allowed to say. Hi. Hi. I don't think I'm who you think I am. Okay. But um, anyways, yeah, so I, I was asking about my four-year-old. He, he always had this very rigid, anxious personality, like basically since he was born and I worked a lot on it and I softened him up a bit, like had to be tough with him. But he's like, when, when he has something that he's uncomfortable with, like whether it's like an activity like coloring, for example, he won't color because he just, it's difficult for him, so he won't do it. Or when it comes to other things like uh, eating a cookie that's broken, he, he, he just won't eat it. He'll throw it out. 
and I don't know how far I'm supposed to push him. Uh, and I, I'm nervous, first of all, as far as small picture, like in the classroom, he's not functioning so well in the classroom because he won't do things he's uncomfortable with. And also big picture, like in life, you're not gonna go far if you're not gonna challenge yourself, you know? This is a four-year-old you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah, so my guess is when he's 30, he's not gonna have big issues with a half a cookie, you know? Yeah, but you know, even I, as an adult, you know, I struggle with things that I'm not accomplishing with my life because, I, you know, anxiety, I don't trust myself. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it is a thing that adults struggle with. That's true. That's true. Adults do struggle with that. And it sounds like you're doing a good job and helping increase his flexibility. And maybe there are different interventions to see, you know, but, but again, I, I think, you have to realize change is constant. And, you know, when you're talking about not accepting yourself, usually that comes when most people struggle with that. Not everyone is because they come from a very critical environment where there was a lot of criticalness for their behaviors or high expectations or unrelenting standards that they had to reach perfection. And therefore, when they come into adulthood, they're constantly insecure and questioning themselves. Uh, that, that often happens. I, I don't think pushing your child, you know, depending on what situation, you know, you want to find that balance, help them try new things, say, okay, well, let's, what, what, what are you willing to try different? You know, what step could you take? Could you just taste this? Or I, again, I, I, but sometimes we take our own, I mentioned this earlier, and this is a little more complicated for now, but we take our own experiences and belief systems and we try to project that on our child and have the expectations they're going to turn to us if we don't do this, this, and this which is not necessarily the case. And I think it's very important to take a step back and look at that. Um, but I wouldn't say pushing him is very effective, perhaps those examples, um, or, you know, if you would refuse to go to school, you might have to do a little pushing, right? You're gonna have to identify the, the priorities and where you're gonna have to help him with that rigidity and then try to build with that. But, you know, it's a balance, acceptance and changing and then change is constant, uh, as, I, as I said. Um, I hope that was a little bit helpful. I know it's a deeper question than I, I can answer on the fly. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, Menachem, let, let's take let's take one last one because I think I'm sure you heard. One last one. We have anybody else waiting? I'm sorry. 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 I'm Matas, I have one question that was emailed that I want to get to also. So we'll do one live, one, one email, and then we'll go to closing, okay? Okay. Thank you. I want to get my session to work. You know, the person that pays for a session, make sure you pay <laughs> one minute extra. You're overtime, buddy. I'm overtime. <laughs> Send the bill to Menachem. Okay, you ready? Oh, okay. I'll do the, I'll do the, I'll do the, the, the email question first. Our eight-year-old son is super talented, creative, and very smart child that can get very explosive when things don't go his way, has difficulties being impulsive and negotiates every small request we have of him. His negotiation and explanations happen to be very logical. The advice we get from parenting experts therapists was to discuss and explore with him before they occur using the collaborative problem solving method where he comes up with solutions and consequences rather than us imposing it on him. When he caught on how we're dealing with it, things after just two times, he stopped cooperating. When we tell him, that we would like to meeting with him. He says, bye ma, walks out of the room. I don't know who told you, I'm smart. I have nothing to say, doesn't discuss with me. At this point, the only way he stops doing inappropriate behaviors are by being tough with him and positively catching him doing something good, compliments. Don't seem to do the trick. Validating his feelings work when 
when he is crying, but not when he's in explosive mode. Any advice? Yeah, no, it's first of all, there's a lot of information there. So, you know, that I assume you're talking about raw screens, the explosive child, um, and not the uncontrollable child, but the explosive child is an excellent book and collaborative problem solving method can be very helpful if it's effective. And here it's not being effective. And that's the whole idea is that not everything is going to work and be effective. And you have to be able to move along with that. Um, a validation does, you know, I actually talk about in the book when not to validate. <laughs> you don't always validate. You know, when a child in his explosive mode, validation is usually not going to be effective. Um, I just comment on that. Uh, my question, first of all, is like, why are we no negotiating every small request? Uh, smart or not, I mean, you're the parent of this child. Not everything gets negotiated. Um, we have certain limits and expe expectations. Uh, children don't, I mean, if we can have a discussion and help them understand, that's wonderful. We want to be open. But what is this negotiating process? I don't know if the person is here. I, maybe I'm missing something. I, I, I you know, um, and I don't blame him for walking away. Again, like I said, he should, because it's working for him and it's an uncomfortable conversation. Um, I'm just again wondering how much reinforcement was done rather than focusing on the negative behaviors, because it sounds like we're very focused on, you know, you know, doing a lot of the the negative discipline. How much of the positive, even positive, doesn't mean that's a positive chart. Even throughout the day, are you building a lot of positive? Um, is that ratio positive to negative there? Um, you know, uh, and, and, and again, there is a place for consequences and privileges and it's essential for learning. We know that from neuroplasticity and brain changes and finding the correct path and learning the right path. But I, I, I would wanna know like, you know, what does that mean? Are you using too much of it um, or maybe not? Or maybe you're using it and it's working. Um, is the child learning? Is the behavior changing? And then you have an opportunity to reinforce, or you're just punishing or being consequences and nothing's helping, then stop. It's not being effective and it's only gonna have negative. So there's a lot of information here that would have to be explored. Okay. Okay, we're gonna go to closing now, everybody. Um, give me one sec. <clears throat> One second, sorry about this. Sorry, sorry. Hmm? Oh, okay. Mathis, one more person wants to say something. I'm sorry, that's what it is. Okay. And then we'll go to closing. Okay, sure. Didi, you're on. Yes. Hi, just a quick thing. I wanted to mention to the parent that said about the eight-year-old child that's anxious. Not, um, he said he went, he brought the child to therapy and they tried a lot of the stuff that did not work. I just wanted to bring out that sometimes it might be worth it to go to another therapist. Like not, not every therapist works with every child. And sometimes it, it just takes another try with another therapist. So I just thought it would be helpful for him to know that it's not all over because it didn't work with that therapist. I've, I've just seen results with bringing to a second therapist sometimes with an anxious child. So wanted to throw it out there. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I think there's absolute truth to that. Um, you know, I think there, there's many different, like we said, it's finding that right strategy and what's effective. And, you know, maybe you worked on one uh, modality or one type of personality of a therapist or, you know, that just didn't click with that child. So you don't necessarily have to, and that's what I was saying, even if you do accept or st for the moment, that doesn't mean you should be open when you hear that new therapist or that new person that might be helpful, or maybe the child will, you know, 
be more willing, uh, you know, a couple months later. Absolutely. It's not about giving up, constantly looking for opportunities and going to a second therapist. I, I would recommend that as well. Um, I'm not, you know, I have people came to me and they went to other people, you know, not everyone's a perfect fit for everyone. So thank you for that. That's an extremely important point. Thank you. Okay, Matis, I wanted to thank you for coming on tonight, a special time. Tonight was an amazing share. Uh, I'm getting text off the, off the chart. Hope you enjoyed it. It was extremely interactive. We, we barely covered some of the questions we got, and I have pending people that still want to ask. So um, sometimes people come back for a third time, Matis. So uh, <laughs> maybe when you write the second book, we'll see. We'll work it out. But thank you again for coming on. It was a tremendous chizik for everybody tonight. Again, tonight's share was, uh, was sponsored by Chus Rufu for the Vorobas Miriam and uh, everybody here tonight, the hundreds of people that were here, much in the thousands of people that watched it and they will watch the replay. Uh, it should be a schutz for them. It should have a big refuge lema. So also tonight for Bordenach Sfrieds, his father's Yorchai District, we reserve Shloyma, Rebbe Yosef, and Shamsha have a big aliyah. And again, tonight's share is number 32. Anybody who wants to watch it will be uh, uploaded tomorrow on www.menachembernfeld.com. If anybody has any questions, please email coachmenachem at gmail.com. Uh, Matis, if you want to give out the website or email or any contact yeah, information, please, you want to yeah, it, please do it now. Yeah, the uncontrollablechild.com. Um, and under there, if you go all the way down there, there is a place that you can contact me or send me a message or any information like that. Um, and again, I, I, I thank you for all coming. Um, you know, we're all on this journey together. Uh, there aren't any perfect right answers. But, you know, I think to, together, as we said, there are so many different things to think about and so many different skills. And uh, thank you for participating. And I hope I hope you learned something tonight. Okay. And I also want to say that um, if anybody wants to listen to the share, we have all the shares now on Call Alush, and we just put it on. Menachem worked on it. The number is 718-521-5231, star seven. And the, the code of the share is 909310. If anybody wants to hear that. And again, I want to thank all the advertising sponsors, Lakewood School for promoting us here on Lakewood every week. Special thank you to Yanni and Robbie from Chazak for promoting us on the Chazak channels. Special thank you to Chayla Kaufman, Shul Summer, for always promoting us digitally. And uh, Coach Menachem, some closing words. Thank you very much, everyone. I'm just going to hold it uh, as a plate. Everybody wants to go. Thank you, Matis, again, for coming on tonight. And I just want to mention, people come on to the show sitting uh, comfortable, listening to the Zoom, how Matis says, do A, B, and C. If it doesn't work, do C, B, and A. And then buy the book, which sounds amazing. But while these the the outburst happens and all of those emotions go up and the parents and the spouses and it's 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 very hard and i did hear matas uh, mention that it is painful and yeah i'll tell something. you guys a little secret my first title for the book was the ride of your life the original title when we went to the publisher many times because it's just a ride and it's not an easy one so uh, I appreciate that, Matthew. Yeah, and I was saying, if, if, if you shouldn't be, you, know, you shouldn't knock yourself down. That's not working. I'm not a good parent. And this, again, getting to acceptance is a journey. And we spoke about acceptance a lot, but you can't jump to acceptance. I know we want to jump there because we live in a fix it generation. Let's go. Where is it? Acceptance? Okay, let's go to the back, the last chapter of the book. Acceptance, and I'm good to go. But it doesn't work that way. And uh, it's a process, and uh, it could be hard. So uh, take some breaks, <laughs> self-care, take care of yourself. And uh, thank you everyone for being here tonight. And we'll see you next week in Mitz Hashem. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next week in Mitz Hashem. Uh, I didn't want to announce it, but Mitz Hashem will have email who's coming on next week. Just not confirmed, so I didn't want to put it out there. See you all next Sunday night. Matis.
was a beautiful share. Really, really powerful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Thank you.